Um, if you would, please turn with me to Proverbs chapter 27. We're going to finally finish this word that God has been giving us all month long on last Sunday. Didn't we have an awesome time in the Lord? Awesome time in the Lord. So we'll finish this up today and move on to what God has for us for next month. We've been talking about how we're meant to do this thing together. And for a long time, we've had the mindset that we could do it on our own or we didn't need anyone else. But um, I pray that you receive the word of the Lord on today that shows that has never been his plan for us to do it on our own, to do it, to walk it out by ourselves. Even in the times that we have to walk through isolated places, guys, it's important that we recognize he has people around us that are covering us in prayer, that are encouraging us along the way. At no point are we truly, truly by ourselves. Amen. want to also remember to keep in prayer our sweet Mealy, who's not feeling well. Keep her lifted in prayer as you go throughout your days and the coming days. Proverbs 27, verse 17. It says, iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. If you will, turn over the very next, next book, Ecclesiastes. Let's turn to chapter 10, and we'll read verse 10. We'll have our announcements and our offering after the word of God. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 10 reads, If the iron be blunt, that is, to say, that is to say, if the iron be dull, and he do not wet the edge, that's to sharpen the edge, then must he put to more strength. He has to work a little bit harder. But the wisdom is profitable to direct. The wisdom to sharpen your stuff is profitable unto you. We know the word of God is already blessed, and those that seek to know him, and have relationship with him through his word are blessed as well. Amen. We're going to use again for a subject the same thing we did before. We are meant to do it together. But you can put part two if you'd like. We're meant to do it together. So this month um, we have spoken on the importance of working together effectively. And how the enemy, <coughs> our flesh, because remember our enemy is our flesh is our enemy as well. How the enemy, our flesh, and the enemy, Satan, will work to keep that from happening. We spoke of times when we felt we were alone and no one cared about where we were or what we were facing. But many of us have the testimony of how God showed us that was not the case. Anybody ever thought you were by yourself and nobody cared about you? But on the other side, you found that you had all of these people praying for you and believing what God has spoken concerning your life. Um, the, the, the Lord will show you that it's not the case. At times that we think we are alone, we are not alone. Even if no one's in your face constantly telling you that they're praying for you, if you're in the will of God and you're walking through a difficult place or a difficult, difficult season in your life, you have to know, you have to trust God enough, not necessarily people, but you trust God enough to know that he's placed you on the heart of somebody. I have the testimony of times when I thought no one understood where I was, no one even knew that I was going through. As long as I kept my praise, as long as I kept my worship, then nobody was able to pick up the place I was in. But I'm so glad that I found out the truth of the matter is, during those times in my life when I thought no one even noticed where I was, there were people that were laboring for me, there were 
of people that were petitioning the throne of God for my life. So even when you think you're by yourself and no one's constantly in your face or in your ear, you have to trust God enough to know that he has a team of intercessors or he has people in your life and he'll drop you on their mind at times that you're not even aware of. The Holy Spirit will allow you to see that people were interceding for you and encouraging you along the way. But because we are sometimes so focused on the pain, we miss the relief he sends. There are people who try to be in your life and try to assist the way that they feel the Lord leading them to. But because we're so consumed and so focused on where we are, sometimes we reject the very help God sends. Amen. We spoke of how we shouldn't be so quick to condemn and look down on others and miss our opportunity to help them grow. As 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 tells us, we must keep in mind that the very one we condemn and turn our backs on may be the very one sent to help you walk in your purpose. Maybe the very one God has sent to help you walk in the promised place, the very place that you're praying for God to allow you to walk in, the very thing that you're praying for God to allow you to have. And, and to happen in your life. Don't look over the person that you might have to labor with just a little bit because it may be the very one that God has put in your path to help you. Somebody say amen. He reminded us, reminded us that we'll have to do this thing together. The only way to effectively do the work we're called to is to do it together. We have to pray to recognize, listen, those sent by God, those that come on their own with, with, with other motives, those we pick up ourselves because sometimes because I like you and because you're able to speak well, I like your appearance and I like I, you work on this job so I think you'll be good in this. Some Sometimes we put people in positions God never meant for them to be in. And then when you're faced with frustrations and you're irritated, you, you don't understand why this is happening. They seem so equipped. It doesn't matter how equipped you are. Are you walking in the place God purposed you to walk in? And sometimes even us as believers, we will put people in a place God never intended them to be. So we have to be mindful and prayerful to recognize those that we have the tendency to put in a place and then those that will put themselves in a place because they're attracted to the anointing that's on your life. We have to be able to recognize those sent by God, those sent by the devil, those we pick up, and those that come on their own. Somebody say amen. Let's look at this for just a minute. If you know that you're on a job God sent you to, if you know without a shadow of a doubt that you're working the job that God sent you to, you are on that job not just to make money. I need you to hear me. Not just for the benefit that come with working that job, not just because it's Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, and you got your weekends off. That's just an added bonus. Yeah. But when God divinely places you on a job, then there's a divine purpose attached to it. Yeah. And sometimes we miss the divine purpose because we're focused on the benefits. Amen. But there's some kind of purpose attached to it. So we have to be able, we, we've got to shift our thinking. When you're in the will of God, he gives you some type of divine insight as to why you're walking the, the, the place you're walking. You might not have all of the ins and outs. You might not have a complete understanding of why you have to work on that job, why you have to go to that church, why you got to attach to this person or that person. You might not have a complete understanding, but he'll give you some type of insight. So we've got to come out of ourselves, out of our flesh, looking at the benefits of a thing and look at the spiritual parts of a thing. 
So whatever the reason, you have to understand it becomes the enemy's mission to keep you frustrated and irritated. It becomes his mission. If you're walking in a divine place, if you're on your job to, to, to inspire somebody to know Christ, to be an example, it becomes his mission to keep you focused and distracted on other stuff that you miss your real purpose for being there. He puts you in a situation where you're just happy that your check is more. You're just happy that you have more vacation days. You're just happy that business has picked up and you miss the divine purpose. Why? Why would he do that? Why would he fight so hard to keep us uh, distracted? Why would he fight so hard to keep us from realizing the purpose for which he's put us in a place? It's so you'll miss the co-worker you're supposed to influence. He knows that if you ever come down enough that you recognize there's something within this co-worker that they don't recognize in themselves. There's something in you that's greater than where you are. There's something in you that says you shouldn't accept the thing that you are accepting. You shouldn't walk in the place that you're walking. And he knows that if you come down enough to recognize that, you might actually influence them to believe that's better. Why does he fight us? Because there's someone on your job you're meant to lead to Christ. There's someone who will walk through the doors of your business that you're meant to influence. But he wants to keep you irritated and frustrated and looking at how they get on your nerves so you miss the real purpose. Why does he do this? He do it so you'll miss the one he sent you to partner with. To pray and bring change to the atmosphere you work in. Lord have mercy. He doesn't want you to know that the same Holy Ghost that's in you is in them too. Because where two or three are, ga are gathered in my name, he's there in the midst. So he needs you to think that you're walking this thing out by yourself. That everybody on my job, everybody that works with me is a heathen, a hellion. They ain't interested in God. So you'll miss the one who's Holy Ghost filled. And when you partner up with them and they pray and you pray and they labor and you labor and you fast and they fast, real change comes to your job. So when you're praying together and that one, that co-worker that's been sick, that co-worker that's got an ill report, that boss that gets on your nerves, when you partner with that co-worker who has the same Holy Ghost as you, change comes in the atmosphere you work in. But he wants you to miss that. He wants you to be frustrated and aggravated with where you are. He wants you to be so consumed with you that you miss them. Woo! Glory to God. If there are other believers, listen, on your job, instead of speaking, if there are other believers on your job, instead of speaking about what's not right, come together in agreement with what God is saying about your place of employment. Fast and pray together. And regardless of what you see, declare what God has said. Do it for your business. Listen, students, do it in your classroom. Pray for your teacher. She's underpaid. She's frustrated. Them kids getting on her nerves. She got trouble going at home. And when you're at home and done with your homework, she's still having to work on stuff for class the next day pray for your teacher why 
that becomes what God has tried to show us, y'all. What God has tried to show us from the beginning through his word is our need for one another. I love this. Our need for one another. First of all, when it came to making man, I love this. He said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. That's partnership. Somebody say partnership. Then he said, it is not good for man to be alone. So he made him a partner. And a lot of people miss the point here. It is not that it's just about replenishing the earth, as some will say. It goes beyond intimacy. It's about partnership. It was about fellowship. I don't know what God saw that made him declare it is not good for man to be alone. But whatever it was, the remedy was a helpmate. The remedy was a companion. The remedy was a partner, a co-laborer, a teammate. Why? To build community, to grow together, to build together, to work together. From the beginning, it was about partnership. Somebody shout partnership. One of the tactics of the enemy is to keep us so divided. It's, it's just to keep us divided. He uses race and class and religion. He preys on our inability to work together because of different personalities. I, can't, I just can't gel with her. It's something about her. Well, what is it? I don't know. It's just something about her. I can't gel with her. It's just something about him. I can't get with him. Well, what did he do? He didn't do nothing. It's just something about him. He uses our differences and our different personalities to keep us and our different opinions to keep us divided. Uh, that this church don't like drums in the church. This church don't believe in women in ministry. This church don't believe women should wear pants. Uh, the day that we worship on, he keeps us at odds because he understands something that we do not. He understands that we're stronger together. If we really grasped that, if we really understood that, if we really understood that the change we want to see in the world will only come to pass when we come together, we would be a mighty force in the earth. If we only understood, it doesn't matter if you're black, white, green, or purple. It doesn't matter if, if, if you wear pants to church. If you don't wear pants to church, it doesn't matter if you're loud like me or you teach quietly. It doesn't matter if you worship with your hands lifted. It doesn't doesn't matter as long as we can come together in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and do the work that we're commissioned to do in his word we would impact the earth in such a way that the enemy would not stand a chance but he understands that as long as he can keep this one believing this and he can keep this one believing that it will never happen yeah. it'll never happen so what do we have to do what can I do to ensure that I'm working, I'm walking out what I'm supposed to walk out? I'm not focused on you. I'm not focused on whether or not you get it. I hope you do. I'm praying with you. I will help you as the Lord leads, but you're not slowing down my train. Yeah. What can I do? Well, I got to be honest about my dull places. I, I got to stop looking at where you're dull and where you need to come up and look at my own places that are dull. But before we go to that, I want to give you all a couple of scriptures. Hallelujah. So you won't think this is just some great idea that I've come up with. I want to show you in the word of God where we've been meant to do it together. Y'all write these scriptures down. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. I'm going to skip around those verses. But it says, two people are better off than one. For they can help each other succeed. It says a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. 
but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Listen, when we war together, we win together. I ain't got to fight this by myself. When we war together, we have the ability to win together. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25, it says, And let us thoughtfully um, think on how we may encourage one another to love and to do good deeds, not forsaking our meeting together. Somebody shout, come to church. I ain't say church. Church. Let us not forsake our meeting together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more faithfully as you see the day of Christ's return um, approaching, Christ's return approaching. When we worship together, we experience the glory together. Ooh, I want you to get some of this. That stuff that, 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 that causes us to be lost in worship, that causes us to not care who's around us. Anybody ever been lost in worship for real like we were a few moments ago? The way you feel his presence, it's as if you're able to open your eyes and see him. You feel his very presence. I don't want to experience his glory all by myself. I want you to experience that along with me. So when we worship together, we experience his glory together. When we learn together, we are made strong together when we encourage instead of tearing down we work better together amen Ephesians 4 and 16 excuse me <coughs> says for him the whole body that is the church in all its various parts joined and knitted firmly together by what every joint supplies when each part is working properly, causes the body to grow and mature, building itself up in unselfish love. Together we form the body. And, and when I do what I was created to do, it benefits the whole body. It doesn't just benefit me. It's not just about me getting it right so I can make it uh, to glory. It's not just about me doing what the Lord would have me to do so I can make it in. What I do when I'm faithful to what the Lord has called me to benefits the whole body. Same with you. When you do, whether it's praise and worship, whether it's to greet at the greeter's desk, whether it's to witness on your job, witness in the store, whatever it is, when God uses you in your vein, it benefits the whole body. The body is made stronger when we walk in the purpose for which we were created. The heart needs vessels to do what vessels do. <laughs> the bones need joints to do what they are meant to do. When blood doesn't flow to a limb, that limb dies. I would not want to be responsible for an area in a church that I've been called to dying. Because I won't walk in the place. I know God. Not, I'm, I'm not doubting. I'm not confused. I would not want an area to die because the flow can't rightly go because I won't walk in purpose. Don't you know, if you know without a shadow of a doubt <coughs> what the Lord has called you to do and has instructed you to do, when you're not doing that, there is a void. Somebody might have the ability to do it, but you're the one called to it. 
But because for whatever reason, whether it's fear, whatever it is, we don't want to sacrifice whatever it is that causes us from walking in the places that God, that we know God has called us to. We, I want you to know there is a void. And who's held accountable for that? Y'all quiet on me. Y'all were just clapping and stuff and saying amen. Who's, who, who, who does that fall on? Amen. So when we work together. We study together, when we worship together, praise together, we have no choice but to grow closer as a body of believers. And when others see this spirit of fellowship, it draws them. Love draws. It draws them. When they see that we're able to walk together, that everybody, there's no isms and schisms and this is better than that and all of this, that we're all working together, whether you're to intercede or to serve, whatever it is. You might be uh, uh, somebody like uh, Sister Paige. Sister Paige can help wherever help is needed. And she has the spirit and the mind to help where she'll clean up. She'll sing on the praise team. She'll pray. She'll pray with you personally, individually. She'll fast with you. Wherever she's needed, she's able to walk in that place. You ain't got to give her no title. Just call her helper. And she does it gladly. Whatever it is, that's, there's no little. Her position in the body of Christ is no less than mine. Just as mine strengthens the body of Christ, so does hers. We put a, a, a measure on positions. We put a measure on uh, what we deem big and what we deem important. If your job is to sing background the whole time and you don't lead one song, be happy doing that. Now, if the Lord done said lead and you ain't leading, why are you shouting? Walk in your place. What we do individually affects us all collectively. Amen. We as believers, as Christians, as followers of Christ, have to recognize the things that make us dull. And as we said before, you have to be honest about it. One of the things that keeps us dull is sin. A lifestyle of sin. Now, all of us sin. All of us fall short. There's no perfect person who does not sin. All of us sin. But I'm talking about a lifestyle of sin. You, you're actively knowing that you're sinning. You're okay. You're comfortable living in a sinful place. It dulls your acts. The practice of sin, listen, separates us from God. But it's also the thing we don't want to talk about and personally don't want to admit. We justify things we do and call them mistakes. It's not a mistake. It's sin. You didn't mistakenly fall in that bed. You didn't mistakenly respond to that text. You didn't mistakenly take that stuff you weren't supposed to take from your job. That wasn't a mistake. That was a decision. And that decision was sin. You didn't mistakenly, oh, I accidentally told a lie. No, you didn't. You made a choice to tell a lie. Oh, I don't accidentally cuss. No. You made a choice to say what you said because there were a hundred other ways to say it. We call mistakes, we call sin mistakes, and we justify it. But in order to be sharp, you got to be real about your sin that you're walking in. Let me tell you the good news about that. Is the way we're able to sharpen our, our uh, acts that's been dulled from sin is we've got to repent, as we said last Sunday. We've got to repent. In order to do true repentance, you got to be real about your sin. 
You can't uh, sugarcoat and sweeten up your words talking to God, trying to skip around telling him you made mistakes. Because guess what? He know you from the crown of your head to the sole of your feet. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows what you're going to do before you do it. He knows your comings and your goings. So if you can't be real with anybody else, you've got to be real about with God about where you are. In order to become sharp from uh, your sins, you've got to repent. You've got to be honest. So Isaiah 59 and 2 says, it's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, listen, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. The thought of God, the thought of being separate from him, the thought of him not hearing my prayers anymore, the thought of my offering up praise and worship to him, and it's not acceptable unto him. He turns his head from it because of sin. Sin separates us from God. Amen? 1 John 1 and 6 says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Stop lying. If you still trying to get yourself together, I see y'all looking at me. I love y'all too. If you're trying to get yourself together, be honest about that. I'm still working on it. But don't profess to be something you know you're not. You're playing a dangerous game when you profess to be Christian, when you profess to be a follower of Christ to the best of your ability, when you profess to be filled with his spirit and doing things according to his will, when you profess that you're living for him, for God I live and for God I die, my life has been changed. I have surrendered my life to him, but you live contrary? That's a dangerous place to be. Because in essence, you're mocking God. And I don't want to be on the side of mocking him. Amen? So we have to repent. And let me tell you, repentance is, isn't just asking for forgiveness. The translation of the word repent is to turn. One commentary says the word commonly used in the New Testament for repentance is metanoia. Metanoia. And it means to have regret or remorse. To have a changed mind. You're not just going to God asking him to forgive you, but you're, you're genuinely sorrowful for what you have done. It hurts you that you've hurt him. That's repentance. Repentance is, I'm just going to do it and ask God for forgiveness. That's, that's trouble. Repentance is, you have a mind when you go before God, you have a mind to turn from it. Somebody say repent. Repent. Second thing is fear because fear keeps us from doing the will of God. Fear causes our acts to be dull. Fear that causes you to not do the will of God, the very thing he's called you to, is the issue. I don't think God so much has an issue with us being nervous to walk into a new thing or nervous to walk into a new place. But it's when that fear causes you to, to walk in disobedience. He has an issue with that. Second Timothy 1 and 7. Y'all writing these scriptures? 2 Timothy 1 and 7 says, for God has not given us, I like this in the New Living Translation, it says he's not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Y'all know I like the meaning of words. Fear is uh, uh, defined as a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger, evil, or pain. But get this, whether the threat is real or imagined. So a lot of us are walking in disobedience off of a fear of something that's not even real. 
A lot of us are not doing the thing that we have been equipped with, equipped to do. A lot of us are not walking in the places that God has called us to and has equipped and empowered us to walk in because of fear. It's not even real. Every thought that you have, everything that causes you not to move forward, it's not even real. Timidity is defined as lacking in self-assurance, courage, or bravery, easily alarmed or shy. What I love about this is that when I go forth in the thing God called me to, I don't even have to do it in my own strength. I don't even have to count on myself. If I do the part that God has called me to do, if I prepare and equip myself on the level that God has instructed me, then when I walk forward in that thing, it is not my strength that I walk in, but the Lord's. So it doesn't matter what I, what I might feel about myself, my limitations, my intellect, but greater is he that is in me than he. So you've got to change your mind. It's not you doing it. It's not you're relying on yourself, but it's you're relying on the power of God. Amen. Number three, lack of his word. God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. You don't know the way to go without the word of God. Second Timothy 2.15 tells us in order to accurately handle and skillfully teach the word of God, we must study his word. In order to accurately handle, to even handle the word the way God has instructed us to, to skillfully teach his word. What does that mean? That means teaching one lesson and it's able to reach the youngest to the oldest. To skillfully teach so no one is missed. You have to study his word. If you don't know the word for yourself, someone can tell you anything. And if they hoop and holler just right you'll believe it. If they say it with the right tone, you'll take it home as truth. You've got to know the word for yourself so you're not deceived, as we spoke about on Wednesday, when people mix in a little bit of the truth with a whole lot of lie. Because you know the word and you study yourself, you know what thus said the Lord. Lack of his word will cause your acts to be dull. Lastly, prayerlessness, not having a prayer life. Prayer is our lifeline. It keeps us connected. We are instructed to pray without ceasing. That means all the time our communication with God has to be an ongoing thing. I know mama and daddy uh, love me, but they might be busy and unable to answer the phone. My husband or my best friend might be at work and have to call me right back. But I'm so glad, hallelujah, that I have access to one who never sleeps nor to one who never sleeps nor slumbers, who never places me on hold, who never ignores my call or send me the voicemail. I'm so glad that when I call him, his ear is attentive to my voice. I'm so glad that when I call his name, it moves him to move for me. You might be busy. Your phone might be off, but I have a direct line to someone who's never too busy to answer my call. Aren't you glad that you're able to call on the name of Jesus and it moves him to move somebody shout Jesus but we've got to acknowledge our stuff y'all and we got to get it right because we need you I need you sharp and ready we need you on post and ready to partner up and do the will of God the Bible says one can chase a thousand 
but two put 10,000 to flight. I need you where God has called you to be. I need you sold out, not to us, not to me, not to uh, your neighbor or wherever you might worship, but sold out to the will and the purpose of God. We are stronger when we are united. We are effective when we have the same mind to glorify God. It's not about my name being in lights. It's not about my name being called. It's not about me getting all the credit, but it's about our God being glorified. It's about somebody saying, what must I do to be saved as a result of us coming together and doing the thing that God has commissioned us to do? It's not about looking deep and wonderful and being known all over the world. Am I effective as I'm known all over the world? Does my life make a difference? Is God glorified in my life? My focus has to be the will of the Father and not my own. So today we tear down the lie. The lie that says we don't need one another. That's a lie. And we tear it down. We tear down the lie that says we can't get along because we can. If your heart is right, we can get along. It doesn't mean we'll always agree. But we can get along to do the work of the Lord. We tear down the lie that says I can do it all by myself because I hate to bust your bubble. You can't. Effectively. In a way that's impactful. You cannot. We are going to do it. Harvest, we are going to do it. And we're going to do it together. We're going to do it together. Tell somebody I'm counting on you. Come on, tell them for real, earnestly. I'm, the, I'm counting on you. I'm counting on you to walk your part out, to do your part. Tell somebody else I'm counting on you. I need you. I need you sharp. I don't need you dull because if you're on post and you're supposed to cover me and you're dull, both of us get hit. I need you sharp. I'm not going to condemn you or judge you because of where you are or the things that you've done or the places that you've had to walk through. I want to help you be sharper so we can do this thing effectively for God the way he purposed and meant for us to do it. Can't afford to miss it. We need one another. Amen? That's not just something that sounds good to say it together. United, we're strong. But it's the truth of God's word. Now, the Taj, it is the way he's always meant it to be. From the very beginning, he's tried to show us that we're meant to do this thing together. If not, he would have left Adam by himself. He's naming the animals. He's walking. He's communing with God, but he saw that it was not good. It wasn't just about sex, as some people teach. It wasn't just about that. That was a reward. It was about the fellowship. It was about community. It was about building together. Amen? We got to do this together. And in order for me to effectively be a partner to you, I got to make sure I'm right. I got to keep my heart before God. I got to keep my acts sharp. And the times that I know that I'm struggling in a particular area, I've got to be real with God about where I am. Amen?